This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. But just a warning in case you have some little ones around, as this episode contains use of coarse language. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Dan Sutik, a seasoned marketing professional in the B2B space, about how to effectively run sales development across the APAC region considering the diversity of markets and cultures in this part of the world. On that note, let's dive in. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Gene. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. So we we have had a couple of conversations and I remember in one of our previous chats, you, you mentioned at one point you were managing 15 SDRs across APJ as a marketer. Yeah. My first question is, how did that happen? SCRs, especially in this part of the world, tend to be under the sales umbrella, but a marketer kind of working with SCRs is is rare. It does happen, but it's rare. How did that happen that you started to managing 15 SCRs? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very fair question. I, I do have to preface to say that I have worked in organizations as well prior to the specific example that you're, you're asking for where the SDR function or ISR, whatever you want to call it, actually did sit within marketing. And it kind of makes sense because if you look at the, you know, the top of the funnel and the lead flow, and if you're looking for, you know, end-to-end sites or visibility, whichever word you want to use, having a, a lead come through by a marketing activity, having it flow through to a SDR that sits within the marketing org or the marketing team, and you can actually see directly what's happening there. There's no potential for a disconnect in the flow. And then you have the SDR, you know, tasked to creating an opportunity or booking a meeting as part of it, et cetera, and then passing it on to the sales org. So I've been fortunate to work in organizations where the SDR team was within the marketing org, but the caveat is when it gets too big, that's when it shifted out of marketing and, and into sales. So I just wanted to, you know, give that context there. But how this came about for me uh, was due to an organizational restructure. I joined the organization and the SDR function was reporting into my manager. And again, given that context that I provided to me, it just made sense. But because the restructure was happening, I was given the opportunity uh, to, to manage the SDR team pretty, pretty simply just because of a organizational restructure. And to be honest, I was, it was a bit daunting. You know, you get that imposter syndrome. I was like, right, okay, so I've been a marketer for 10, 11 years now. I've got great 
sales stakeholder, you know, uh, experience and, and management, et cetera. Love sales. But I'm now been given the opportunity to, to manage the SDR team. So I took the bull by the horns. It was great. But let's just say it was a little bit daunting. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it, I get when you say it makes sense because, hey, it, it's that end-to-end process. But uh, I can I can imagine being in that position, and then now you got to drive the strategy for it. That's yeah. that's tricky. Can you give me a little bit of picture in terms of the geography? So fifteen SDRs across yeah. APJ. What were the geographies that the team was focused on? Yeah, sure. So uh, ANZ is, is is one. You had ASEAN, uh, so spanning countries that were particular focus that included uh, you know Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam. Indonesia, uh, Hong Kong, and then you also had India and Japan. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about, I want to touch on upskilling. Yep. Right. How did you, coming from a marketing background, how did did you go about upskilling the team and making sure that when it comes to, and actually before, before talking about that, was the team predominantly outbound? Was the team predominantly inbound? Was it a mix? How did, how did that look like? If it was a mix, what was like the approximate percentage? How did that look like? Yeah, good question. The, the, what I walked into was predominantly inbound. Yep. So it was predominantly inbound. There was ample leads for the SDRs to follow through, whether it was through simple, you know, contact us inquiries versus, you know, demand gen activities, programs, you name it, right? So the SDRs were very, very much focused on the the inbound leads that were coming through. So leading into your question in terms of, you know, the upskilling, what I did notice is there was a heavy reliance on inbound. And it was important to carve out the time for the outbound. So one of the first things I did was paired up the SDRs with, you know, account managers, if you will. So they could understand how the account managers mapping their respective territories, which partners they're working with, et cetera, and identify target accounts to be able to, you know, call in and, and, and help the AMs with, you know, their growths, their KPIs, et cetera. So it was like the first step. The second thing that I also did was encourage mini programs, if you will, that the SDRs would execute on their own. That involved examples like looking at, Close lost opportunities to see, you know, where they could be revisited. Again, a little bit warm, but outbound, not necessarily relying on inbound leads. So I started small there, and I didn't start that immediately. I I intentionally waited a few months so I could observe and see what the trends were, the behaviours. Where, to your point, what what were the strengths and where the upskilling needed to be and needed to happen. Was there a difference between your with your approach for different geographies because there's a wide range of countries in there you have japan you have australia you have india um and everything in between was there was your approach different based on different geographies yes and no i mean i'm all about i know it's corny but the reuse right let's not reinvent the wheel so to speak so working with account managers that's a you know pretty standard procedure, right? Or a standard, you know, task or relationship, whatever you want to call it, right? Understanding where you're able to assist, you know, with the wider sales org in there, whether it's hunting or farming, whatever, whatever you want to use it. When it came when it comes to outbounding though, there were some nuances where, you know, you needed to take into consideration. So the one thing that really sticks out for me is in 
in Japan, LinkedIn isn't used much for, say, in-mail or, or actually outbounding at all. Our, our rep was very vocal about that in our training sessions, uh, which, was, which was fair. I mean, he, he said, look, I'm not going to be wasting you know, your time or my time. I'm just letting you know that that's not how we do it here. So I had to take his word for it, okay? His numbers spoke for themselves. So it was like, okay, you know, how, how are you outbounding? He goes, to your point, I work very closely with my account managers, work very closely with my partner managers. I understand what they're, what they're trying to do, who they're trying to target. And it's two ways. I'll go to them and then they'll come to me. So they had a very good relationship there from an outbounding perspective. Other places like Vietnam, as an example, we didn't have an SDR, but we had an agency managing it because it's the language. We did attempt to try building business with our own staff in countries like Vietnam and Thailand, but we quickly realized English isn't going to get you far. The local language is much more preferred, received a lot better because we realized that a lot of the individuals that may not be very well spoken in English tend to feel a bit shy, embarrassed, and just want to end the call by asking, please send me an email, right? Which is the default. And once you go down that path, the chances of a response are extremely slim and we, we, we don't want that. So we identified that. We partnered with an agency uh, that had the capabilities and we basically treated them as our, our own SDRs, but not you know full-time employees, if that makes sense. So it's about finding out what works and what doesn't as quickly as possible and then being able to pivot where you can. Were there any other, I'm guessing Japan, you, you have to have... Oh, yes. We were fortunate enough to have a, a, a Japanese native who spoke the lingo and who also spoke very good English. Got it. Got it. And, and so, so Vietnam, Thailand, forget about using English. Japan, of, for, uh, it's, it's very obvious. Were there any other geographies that you were focusing on that you like, English is not going to cut through? Yeah, look, I think with Indonesia, it was, it was hit and miss, again, from a local lingo perspective. And, and Malaysia, again, if you, if you spoke Bahasa, uh, you know, it would, it would get you far. But we found that there was, again, 50-50 split in terms of individuals where you'd connect with that were very comfortable and confident speaking in English versus those that weren't. So that, that was definitely a barrier. Interesting. What about the approach and... I'm guessing the team had, for their outbound work, they had maybe a cadence that they would follow. Is yeah. that correct? Okay. So they had a cadence and most likely some calls, some emails in there. It sounds like LinkedIn was part of it. Yep. Did you have to make modifications to the cadence itself for a different geography? Well, for Japan, yes. I mean, if you're using a workflow tool that allowed you or prompted you to either integrate your social or prompted you to, you know, send something via social media, like, like LinkedIn in mail example. I mean, the, the Japan one was where you did have to modify that. You would remove the, 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 the LinkedIn step in that workflow, right? You'd still keep the email, you'd still keep the phone call, but yeah, that, that, that's one example that does stick out. And the other geographies that I mentioned, it was pretty stock standard just whatever worked. Interesting. The, were there any geographies that you had to introduce other channels? Like, um, like sometimes I, I, I see in, for example, Singapore, WhatsApp comes into play. Um, are there, were there any other kind of channels that because of a geography that you had to introduce or that was just not something that you and the team explored? It wasn't because of the geography. It was more because of the persistence of the rep. 
it was around mm. not leaving stones unturned. So you, you mentioned WhatsApp. So if one of our reps was really eager and they've spoken to someone and then, you know, you get ghosted a little bit. You ask me a question in terms of what's my preferred medium to, you know, chat on or, you know, consume content. Some folks are super responsive when you text them. So I encouraged my reps. I go, look, be a, what's the saying? A dog with a bone, right? Don't give up until you get a response. And if the response is look where we're not interested at this point in time or whatever it may be, at least you got a response, right? Um, obviously, pre- prefacing it, uh, being courteous, et cetera, et cetera, you know, in your approach and in your text and what you write goes without saying. But WhatsApp, WeChat, like even uh, iMessage, if it's, you know, if, if they were an, uh, if they had an Apple iPhone as well, et cetera. So I, I, I did encourage the reps to go beyond the, you know, the, the, the standard of your emails, in-mails, phone call, you know, just, just give it a go. Now, we talked about the cadence being a little bit different when it came to Japan. Yes. Because of LinkedIn. What about the content of the sales script or the emails? Yeah. I know in certain Asian cultures, it's what would be normal for maybe in the American culture or the Australian culture would be considered very rude in the Asian culture. What about what about that? Can you can you? Tell us a little bit about if, if you faced that challenge um, or if was that something that came up? I won't say it was a challenge that we faced externally. I wouldn't even say it was a challenge. It was more a bit of a, oh, okay, so this is how North America operates or this is more, you know, how, you know, uh, UK and Ireland and, you know, EMEA operate, right, from a language perspective. We, well, not we, I'll use singular because it is me. I found that different regions outside of APJ tended to be a little bit more direct. And I think you and I can both appreciate directness can be perceived or misinterpreted sometimes as being rude. So one thing that did need to change is the templating and not being super direct, as in, hi, you haven't picked up my calls. I'm getting in touch again. No, we're, we're not doing that, right? We're, we're going to be a little bit more courteous. We're going to be a little bit more thoughtful. And this is where you know how I suppose with like your like your ABM, you've got your one to one, and then you go to one to many, or one to few, then one to many, then one to lots, right? You've got to try and fit the bucket that makes most sense to what you're trying to achieve here. So generally, language we found internally can be very direct. So one thing I did change is putting in a bit of the, the softer approach. Hi, how are you today? I've had a great weekend, especially if you're sending it on a Monday or a Tuesday. If you're sending it on a Thursday, you might be pleasant and be asking, I hope you've got great plans for the weekend ahead, whatever it may be, right? That's my personal style that I encourage my team to use. But the emails, the call to actions, et cetera, would change depending on the broader program. So if it was a potential, let's say, a reheat of closed lost opportunities, I do my best to bucket those closed lost opportunities by solution, right? And then I would find the best call to actions in a series of, say, two to three tops emails where the SDRs could use to entice individuals to, you know, engage with the content or, you know, the call to action that was provided within. But the king is still the calling, okay? What the emails did provide is insights. So if someone opened an email, okay, they've opened, there's a little bit more intent there. They open the email and they clicked the link. 
that comes up higher in the ranking of following up. They open the email, click the link and download it. I'm definitely following them up first when that call step comes. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. Dan, what is your advice? And we've touched on a few things, but I also want to know if I'm a marketer or a sales leader and we've been doing, we've had some SDRs in the Australian market and the ANZ market and we're outreach is happening and we're using LinkedIn we have our scripts ready. Now I'm thinking of expanding this. Now I'm thinking of uh, I'm go- going after Singapore, maybe some of the other Southeast Asian countries, maybe India. Yeah. We talked about you have to be a bit more courteous. You, we talked about you have to consider whether they're on the on the platforms or not. Is there anything else that you think the the marketing leader or sales leader who's looking to expand their team should know when they're doing that their SDR team? I mean, let's just say in this hypothetical that, you know, all the due diligence has been done, all the numbers, all the financials, and it does make sense that, you know, they go into, you know, the said company. Let's make that assumption. Let's yes. make that assumption. Yes, of course. So if you're, if you're, if you're looking like, like, like a Singapore, it's not going to matter too much because of the, the language, right? English is, you know, widely spoken throughout the country. If you're looking at a, a country, you did mention India as an example, where, yes, English is spoken widely. It's about how you do business there. If you don't already have feet on the ground, if you do have feet on the ground and if you're looking to, you know, get an SDR function, if you're hiring direct, I will definitely be partnering up the individuals with the existing feet on the ground in the sales force. Buddy them up 100%. Okay. If it's completely, you know, clean slates, I would actually tend to, to, to lean on the agency side first in order to utilize an existing skill set that another organization has already built up if you want to hit the ground running. Obviously, do your due diligence on what agencies, see if they can meet your KPIs and obviously work out the financials, right? But that would be a smoother transition, in my subjective opinion, because you're asking me, to be able to, okay, let's hit the ground running. And then what you can do is when you're starting to build out your SDR team, if you've got you know a headcount for one, or two, then they could actually partner up with that agency to see what they've done, how they're doing it. So you, you're, you're two speeds, right? And then eventually, once you get your own team up and running, you've got a decision to make with the agency. Do you still keep them on? Do you reassign them for larger accounts, whatever it may be? Or do you thank them for helping you get started and you've built your SDR team? See you later. Right, right. Very, very interesting approach. Is there anything? So you brought up India, which is which is very again. It's a growing market. It's a very interesting space. I know a lot of organizations starting to put focus on India um, for different reasons. And your recommendation is go with somebody that is go with an agency. If you don't have any foot on the ground, go with an agency and test that model before you hire. If you have someone budding them up, um, is is the is the way to go. In terms of channels, have you seen any difference between India and some of the other geographies? In specific to to what? So one of the things that I've I've experienced is, and I don't know if 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 this is something you've come across, where calls are a lot more. Nobody replies back to emails in in uh, in in some of the campaigns that we've ran in India. Sure. Like this, is just it's the the 
drastic difference between the people that do reply back to emails. And I, again, I know those numbers are low, but for India, what we've noticed is that it's just like, it's not common to reply back to, e to these emails. And the heavy reliance on calls is a lot bigger than, uh, than some of the other geographies. That's yeah. one of the differences that I've seen in terms of channels to reach out to a decision maker. And yeah. I was wondering if there's anything that you've seen in the Indian market that, uh, that maybe is a little bit different than, than the other markets that you've, uh, you've done outreach to? Look, I think it's all, it's all got to do with numbers, right? We, we, we know how large India is, right? Based on sheer volume, we, we naturally got the most email replies from SDR workflows from India because of just the sheer volume. Percentage-wise, I think it was slightly higher. Like if you're comparing apples to apples in, in terms of, you know, percentages of responses to, to emails that did go out. I found India to be quite interesting from the point of view of if the individuals wanted something, they would contact you like straight away. And in some instances, because of the volume or the workload for SDRs was so large, some individuals would be like calling them and saying, hey, I, I called you twice. You, you haven't called me back. You know, sorry, sir. Sorry, ma'am. It's, it's been a busy day. I, I can see on my phone you've, you've already left me two, two, two missed calls, right? So I think that's the best worst problem to have when you have, you know, either existing or prospective customers wanting to call to have a chat. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. We, we will appreciate that. But yeah, like the, the one thing that I did notice was that a lot of the inbound, when I say inbound, it's email responses to the emails that the SDR sent out did come from India. Other, other regions, it was a bit low, but when we always, I always encourage the team to use that as a diagnostic. Who opened it? Who clicked it? Who submitted it? That should then be your priority in, or like in terms of your list on, on who you follow up first. Not sure if that answered your question. It does. It does. And it, and it seems like there's, there's, there's a bit of difference between the, what we've seen, which is really fascinating. Dan, tell me a little bit about the mistakes you've made. Ooh. Building SCR teams. What are some of the some of the mistakes that you've made that you had to go back and be like, okay, that didn't work. We have to again. We've touched on some of the things yeah, that, yeah. that has been optimized, but uh, is, is anything else comes to mind? I'll list a, I suppose, a, a process change, and then I'll list a mistake. So the the reliance on the emails was real. We needed to shift back the balance to to phone calls. So a few months in, I. I made the decision uh, that the team aren't to send emails as a first step anymore. It's to be a phone call, especially on inbound leads where marketing do post event or post program follow up. To me, it didn't make sense that an, another email be sent by an SDR. So, say for instance, Shaheen, you you attended a webinar. You're going to receive an automated email thanking you know thanking you for attending the webinar hoping that you got what you needed out of it and a call to action, right? So that automated email was sent from whatever marketing automation system was being used. Then you'd get another email from an SDR. It just didn't make sense, right? Now that was a huge behavioral shift. Now the mistake that I made was assuming that the team would be okay with it without discussion, right? In my head, I thought it'd be like, yeah, it should be fine, you know? But then when I sent the email out and said, okay, from now on, from this date, I want all, you know, sequences, whatever you want to call it, workflows, you know, ensure that you have a call first. Wasn't received well. Organized a call, had the conversation, listened. Why were they so against this? 
naturally there are going to be some exemptions where you will have to send an email first or it makes sense to send an email first depending on the warmth of the lead etc so they wanted that clarity it's not like a blanket i'm like yeah of course all right yeah naturally there's going to be circumstances and feel free to run things by me if you need to right the second is what i just said to you i assumed that they knew that marketing would send post automated you know post automated emails out to individuals once i mentioned that it was a bit more like oh oh okay all right that kind of makes a bit more sense so that was the, the the mistake i assumed i assumed it would be okay so in hindsight i really should have uh, set the call up first spoken to him about it so yeah that's that, that that's a good mistake got it got it communication yeah it's Absolutely. a big one it's a big one dan i want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions yeah go for it but before diving into that, is there anything else that you think maybe I haven't asked? Anything, any important points about running an SDR team in the APAC region or APJ region? Mistakes, advice, and anything that maybe I haven't asked or we haven't touched on? Look, I think it's it, it's powerful to admit that you don't know things because I certainly didn't, especially in different geographies, etc. Don't make assumptions. I was in a fortunate position where I had so many awesome peers in different regions that I just mentioned or countries that I just mentioned like throughout this conversation where I could get on the phone with them or get on Teams, I think it was that we used. It was like, you know, having and just have a conversation about, hey, you know, what, you know, I'm the, the new SDR manager here. What, what, give me your feedback, not just on the team, but on the region. I'm an ignorant guy. Tell me, tell me the things that, you know, I need to know. So, Ask the questions. No such thing as a silly question, honestly. You'd rather ask it. That's that, that was a big one for me. In the position that I also was into your point, a marketer turning into an SDR manager, the one thing that I, I said to the team is, I've never done what, what, what you are doing. Don't think I'm going to come in here and you know tell you how it is. I'm going to come in it on a very, very different angle. I've been in marketing for 10 plus years. My number one you know, stakeholders are sales. I've worked with the numerous acronyms of SDRs, BDRs, ISRs, ADRs, you, you, you name it, right? I understand what you do, but you're here in the position that you are in because you just don't know, you don't only know what you do, but you're bloody good at it, all right? So it's, it was me just taking that step back and just actually just admitting like, yep, I'm going to be here um, to help you from a different angle. And then as time went on, the, the, the one thing that really stood out for me is, is the upskilling part. So I had a great enablement manager who was based out of the UK, worked with her. Uh, we got um, John Barrows on, uh, JB Sales, to, to help us out, like from, um, oh, he's, he's awesome, him and his team are rock stars. And the one thing that I did in those enablement sessions is I also participated, which is pretty daunting for me because I've never done it before, but we're part of the team. Right? So I remember there was this, we were doing LinkedIn video samples right because you know how you can do like a pitch on linkedin send it in, in an email etc i picked a, an account a, you know a target persona and, and and i did my i think it was a 40 second pitch or whatever it was yeah never done one before but if the team are doing it i'll i'll be doing it with them right so i remember one of um uh, jb's uh facilitators was there and he marked me as as did everyone look it felt good it was great and it was inclusive so my my advice is if anyone's in, in a similar position to what I was, just dive in, have a go. That's, yeah, you got to lead by example. I love that advice. I think that is just such a crucial 
component that, hey, if you are in a leadership role, yeah. your SDRs might be, they might be responsible for, I don't know, 50 accounts a month, 100 accounts a month, whatever it is. Yeah. Pick, pick five accounts that you're responsible and you're going to be doing outreach and, and that relationship is going to strengthen a lot more than absolutely uh, than anything else that you could do so that i i I love that advice of yours no i appreciate that okay have you read the state of abm and apac report yet if you have you'll know that 59 percent of marketing leaders are intending to increase their abm investment in the coming year even bigger news is zero percent of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment it's an exciting time for abm in the region Discover the state of account-based marketing in APAC today. Download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Let's do some rapid fire questions. The first question I want to ask is what is one resource? This could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a profound impact on the way that you work or live. Yeah, let me just. Oh, the art. Yeah, I love yep. that. The subtle art of not giving a. F- that's yep. right. I got to. I have to say it, and we yep. might have to beep that out. Yeah, beep but, it out. Uh, for let's let's do the South Park and beep everything out, right? Yes. So for me, uh, this was given to me as a gift by a very, very close friend of mine. We worked together not so long ago. It, it, it's it really helped me put things into perspective, right? So if you're going to bleep it out. You know, we, we are only given a limited, limited amount of in life. And if you give a about something that's not worth giving a about, you're wasting a precious. <laughs> so that to me translates into personal life and in professional. So whether you get an email and you apply a subjective tone to it, depending on your own mood or some interaction that's happened prior to give you that context of emotion or whatever. And then, you know, I've got it on my whiteboard up here. Is it worth giving a f- about? If it's no, it's not. And it's out the door. Love it. If it is, all right, how, how do we address this? So it has certainly helped me with my mental real estate and also emotional real estate to be able to prioritize. And it's one of these books that, that I have to read periodically. And I, I think I'm due for another read. I love it. I love it. Question two, if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would that be? Look, it's subjective advice and it's around sales. Listen, I love working with sales. Um, hence why I think I, I really enjoyed my tenure as an SDR manager. Um, but that, that experience was always going to be for me to be a better marketer. Listen to understand versus listen to respond. There's this whole stereotype as you would be very familiar in terms of marketing and sales, clashing, one agenda here, one agenda there. But it's it, it's the understanding that helps the communication and the understanding and even to an extent the empathy a little bit better. If you have sales wanting to run events, you've got to ask yourself, why are they doing that? Is it because they're under pressure because they're still not meeting their targets despite the great volume of leads and opportunities that have been generated from from marketing, right? You always got to try and come in from a, at least it, it works for me, coming from a position of seek to understand and then go from there. That's that's one piece of advice I, I'll definitely be given. Love it. Question three, 
who are some of the influencers in the in the whole sales and marketing space that you follow? Look, the, the, I've already mentioned him, JB. I, yep. I I think he's he's awesome. He ran a few sessions firsthand for for my you know prior team, and then he had a few of his colleagues uh, run it for us. But I I find his little snippets and content that he posts on LinkedIn is not just relevant to SDRs, but it's relevant to marketing. Because again, when you hear what he has to say and, and, and offer the advice, the eventual leads go to sales, right? So it's good to understand from a sales perspective, what they're thinking, how they're operating, and then you thinking backwards and working backwards going, okay, if that's the preferred, whatever it may be, approach, or you know, what does a good lead look like, whatever it may be, it makes it just makes me question like how do I go back and have a you know have a think about it. So yeah, he's definitely one that I do follow on LinkedIn, and because I think the algorithm, and I'm just speaking out of turn here, because I do tend to click on his stuff a lot more. A lot of other you know individuals are popping up now in terms of uh, you know who to follow. I mean, the, the one that goes without saying is Simon Sinek. I I, I really really like how he provides a very empathetic people first approach in everything that you do i'm huge on soft skills huge i think they're underrated in a a world where numbers are, are king and sure naturally they are but I, I i do feel you get lost sometimes in those numbers and you actually got to take a step back and go holy shit like we're humans here at the end of the day so yeah those are the two jb and simon Sinek. last question i want to ask go on what excites you about b2b today Man, it's the it's just the constant evolution like it's that there, there, there really is no what do you call it like it's just there's really no stagnation there is always something that's happening that's disrupting that just gives you food for thought again i touched on it at the start of our conversation i mean you know chat gpt like i, I used it for the first time today firsthand i've read about it i've seen so many posts on linkedin and stuff and then, i mean i I used it for myself and I'm like, damn, this is eventually going to help me out and yeah. allow me to reprioritize my time. I'm all about, you know, like prioritization, uh, time efficiencies, et cetera. So technology inventions like that really do excite me about the B2B space. Dan, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you, man. I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned there's, there's some it. great points that you've, uh, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Oh, I'm dead serious, not. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, great points on the whole managing SDRs, different geographies, what's, what one needs to take into consideration when thinking about these different geographies. So thank you so much for coming on the pod and, and giving us the time. Mate, don't mention it. Thanks for having us. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.